Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. Here, you will find recordings of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your Bible study, to replace your weekly church attendance, or to be your sole source of spiritual instruction. Go to church for that. This podcast is for members of my class who happen to miss a week here or there and don't want to fall behind. But before you listen to this episode, you may want to go to teachings.gym314.com and download student or teacher handouts, as well as any PowerPoints, so you can follow along visually and see what we saw in class, as well as take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app. I'd recommend Overcast. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. There we go. So we are back in Romans today, Romans week 34. Um, for several weeks at the beginning of this series, I wore a t-shirt that had something to do with a theological principle or a point or an idea. Uh, this t-shirt today has nothing to do with Romans. Uh, this t-shirt today has everything to do with reminding me to pray for Stephen Archer and Candace Archer, who live in Clearwater, Florida. And if you have seen the latest NOAA projections, uh, which I think is still the funniest acronym the U.S. government has ever come up with, uh, for Hurricane Irma, it goes directly on top of Clearwater, Florida. Uh, so we're going to probably at some point, uh, maybe at the end of the lesson today, stop and pray for them uh, specifically. And we're, I think we're going to have a, a prayer time in the service this morning as well for uh, all the hurricane, the folks that have been impacted by the hurricanes. Um, so don't try to figure out what my shirt's about today. It's Every time I look down, this is to remind me to pray for my friends Stephen and Candace. So that's what that. All right, so let's jump into Romans today. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 12. Uh, and as I have gotten accustomed to teaching a 17 to 19 minute Sunday school lesson because I spend 12 to 15 minutes reading text. Uh, and today is one half of one piece of paper of reading text. So as I was studying for this lesson the last couple of weeks, I realized I have more content than I've been gotten used to here. So I'm excited about getting to uh, share a little more today. Uh, for those of you, how many of you go online and read the teacher notes uh, as part of studying for this series or keeping up? Or sometimes there's folks that do it in the class as well. A couple, okay, good. Uh, you'll notice that the numbering of the pages is radically different today. So we went from page 370 some odd in the teacher notes last week to page 318 in the teacher notes today. And what I did is I cut out all of those extended readings that I had been doing and just focused on the reading for that particular lesson because uh, I wanted to see this file, two reasons. One, the Microsoft Word file was getting very large, uh, and it makes me nervous because Microsoft Word files are not stable above 300 pages long. So I'm getting kind of nervous that I may have a problem here soon, but uh, I need to cut that down. But the second thing is I wanted to see how much actual content we had around Romans, and it's in excess of 300 pages of content right now. 
so people ask me uh, probably once a month or twice a month, you know, when are you going to write a book about this or a book about... We did. It's out there. <laughs> it is under development right now, so lay off the book. It is really long. Now, it'll need a good editor, so we'll get with Margie one day and have her edit that, but that's where we are. So that's the page number differences, uh, and then... Uh, I'll talk about the other thing in just a minute. All right, so let's look at uh, a general review of where we are and making sure that we are still going through uh, the process that I think has been very helpful. Um, this, is, this has been incredibly freeing for me from a um, Sunday school hasn't felt like a chore or a, a uh, mountain to climb every week. It has felt much more like a conversation. Uh, so that is, has been very helpful for me from a... Not nearly as many tools and a whole lot more just staring at the text and talking to the Holy Spirit. Uh, so today's class, as normal, read the text, explain the text, apply the text, personalize the text, and then table prayer time. So where we've been so far in Romans, introduced righteousness, looked at righteous wrath, saving righteousness, righteous freedom, righteousness to the Jews. Uh, and then we're in this big, long section now of righteous living. So it, in, in my head, the way that I'm thinking about Romans is the first 11 chapters are really Paul, it's really the first eight chapters, are the theological argument that he is making. He, set, he takes an aside to talk to the Jews specifically in 9 through 11. And then it's, so what do we do with that? So if you, if you want to, you can almost think about Paul's letter to the Romans as one of our handouts in that here's the what and the so what is at the back end. Um, so you're going to get a lot more, here's what we do with this. The flavor of the letter is going to start to change. And you, you heard a little bit of that last week with Mitch, and you're going to hear a lot more of that today uh, in Romans 12, 3 through 8. So it'll take us nine weeks uh, at least to get through this particular section. So September and October are all about this uh, righteous living, and what do we do with that? So let's start with uh, verse 1 of chapter 12, and we'll read through verse 8. <clears throat> I won't even get good and winded with this. This is like, come on. All right. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, with cheerfulness. So let's talk a little bit about these particular verses. Um, I've kind of already talked a little bit about the literary and structural observations, you know, that today's text is really the output of these first 11 chapters, and really also, I would argue, Paul's fleshing out of verses 1 and 2. Uh, you know, last week Mitch talked to us about crawling up on the altar and offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. And that this is what that looks like. It looks like thinking properly. It looks like understanding the relationship of the members and the body together. Um, so let's take a look at what the words mean. So verse 3. Uh, actually, let me ask one more question about the structural observations. Do you see anything missing that we have seen in prior weeks? Questions. questions. There's no questions here, right? What else? 
is missing? That's the wrong way to say that question. What else is not present that, is, that we have seen in prior uh, passages? Missing implies I knew what was supposed to be there and the Holy Spirit messed up. So, no. <laughs> what else is not here? By no means is not. Yeah, we're actually done with that, I think. So, um, It showed up like 11 times. It's, it, was, it was a lot. What else is not here? Look at the actual words in your Bible. Do all the words look like they are formatted the same? Yeah, there's no Old Testament quotes, right? We're all just, here's what we do with this theology that we have espoused for the first 11 chapters. So it's all about what are we going to do with them? All right, so let's look at some of the words. What do the words mean? Verse 3, for by grace. What do you think goes in the blank? Dia goes in the blank. Yeah, goes in the blank. Yes, dia goes in the blank. I'm going to talk about several different Greek words, and rather than spelling them all, I just put them on the screen for you today. Uh, So dia is the first one. It's the circle, and it's going through the circle. Um, You see the word by translated in English many times, but it's through the grace. Uh, This is the word for grace that we've seen a lot of times in Romans. For by grace given to me, I say, everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought. So this this word for more highly means to esteem or to be vain or arrogant or uh, to think at 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 a higher, more elevated level than he ought to or what's necessary. But rather to think. Now this word to think is the Greek word phreneo. Uh, and this is where we get our English word phrenology, which is, you know, there used to be a study of the bumps of the head, and that would tell you much about someone in their health or their lack of health or their mental state. Uh, but it's just, it's the Greek words for mind. Uh, so it's to set the mind on or to think about. So we're not going to think too highly of ourselves, but we're going to think, this is the same word used back in Romans 8, 5, with sober judgment. And this word means to be of sound mind or to be sane, S-A-N-E, sane. It means to be moderate. It's just not extreme one way or the other. Let me say that again. It means to be moderate. It's not to be extreme one way or the other. Um, to be in the right mind, to be sober-minded, to do things in a sober manner. Uh, so when was the last time you saw somebody who was not sober? Like literally with alcohol. Let's talk for a second. When was the last time you saw somebody who was not sober? In person, yeah. Last week? So at your, at your workplace? I would imagine this happens every once in a while at a cemetery that somebody shows up and... Yep. Yep. And it's, it's sad, right? Because he was not in full control of his faculties and his decision-making and his bodily actions, right? So, so Paul is calling us here to say... If I think of myself more highly than I ought to, the opposite of that is being sober. Does that make sense? So he doesn't explicitly say that he thinks that somebody who thinks they're of themselves more highly is drunk, but he says the opposite is being sober. It's pretty close to the same argument, right? So to be sane, to be in our right minds... So each according to the measure. Uh, the Greek word here is metron. What does that look like? Metric, yes, or meter. Yeah. 
So I've told you many times that I think Paul uses a ton, a ton, a ton of sewing language, S-E-W-I-N-G, in all of his letters. I think this is part of that. Um, so if you think about what he did, he was a tent maker. He took these, uh, this hair from these goats, and he would weave it very tightly, and they'd make these waterproof tents. And if you think about, if you've got to make a tent with somebody, you've got some measuring to do. You've got some, I've got to mark this off. This piece has to be this big. It has to fit together this way. I should rightly divide things so that when they come together, it works very well. And this, I believe, is another sewing term in Scripture. Um, So for each according to the measure or the degree of faith that God has assigned or apportioned. So let's just make sure we understand. So who is giving out the faith? Who? You got it right. It's open book. Yes. I'll be Brian here. It's God is giving out the book, the, the faith, right? All right. So how do I like to describe my conversion? I like to describe my conversion. That was the day... I had faith and placed my faith in Jesus Christ's finished work. Well, there's a sense to which that is true, but the source of that faith is from God. God gives us the faith to have faith in Him. So where does salvation start? With God. Right? I mean, he declared these, these things to be true before the foundation of the world was laid. I can't necessarily stand before God and say, it started with me. Look how special I am. No, not quite at all. So each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, does this verse, does verse 3, make it sound like everybody gets the same? No. Well, that's not fair. Now it feels like that lump is calling the master... Why'd you make me like this, right? This is an extension of his earlier argument back in chapters uh, 9 through 11. So verse 4. For as in two bodies, we have... Like what? Is that not what your translation says? You know what that word one means in the Greek, right? Uno. (laughs) It's actually a Spanish word. No, it's not. It just means one, right? That was for you, Anna Grace. That was for you. All right. Your mom's not here today to stop me from making these awful jokes, so she'll just have to listen to the podcast. Uh, for She won't listen to the podcast. She's never listened to the podcast. She's not, that's not happening. <laughs> so verse 4, For as in one body we have, present active indicative, right now, we have many members, or limbs, and the members do not all have the same, what? Function. You may have a different translation than the ESV. What do you got other than the ESV? What do you got? What's the word say there for function? 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 Yep. <laughs> What's that? Everybody's got function? Really? What do you have? Office. office. I was going to say, I, I know there's an office in the room. Is it office? Okay, great. Um, the, the word is just so that the idea of I'm going and working. I am doing something. Uh, it can be translated, it's, it's, a, it's kind of the Swiss army knife of Greek words. It can go a lot of different directions. Um, but the basic idea is not the same, right? Because if you look at the context, we do not all have the same function. We don't have all the same office. Um, imagine if at your workplace, every single person did the exact same thing. You, you're not going to make any money, right? Yeah, you're not going to be in business very long. 
Because unless every single person was the person that wrote the checks, nobody's getting paid. And if every single person is the person that wrote the checks, you're only getting paid once, right? Because nobody's putting any money in the account. So we need people to do different things. The diversity is an exceptionally well-designed system. Um, so as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, so he, he takes this thing that we all understand, like I have fingers, I have arms, I have legs, I have toes, I have ears, eyes, a mouth. So we, this is the body of Christ, though many are present, middle, and right now, one body in Christ. And individually what? Members of what? So what does that look like? Individually members of one another. Remember that grafting tree? We are grafted together. We are members of one another. There's a connectedness because there's a connectedness to the source that provides us life. In Christ, not outside of Christ, in Christ. So verse 6. Having right now gifts. Now, Here's your blank. This is the same word, this word gifts, is the same word used in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, 5.15, 5.16, and 6.23. There's your blank, 6.23. So who knows? Bible quiz, Romans 6.23, boys and girls. No, you're not allowed to answer, Darla. No, you're not allowed to answer. 6.23, who's got it? The wages of sin is death, right? But the free gift of God is eternal life, right? So in that sense, in Romans 6, 23, that gift was talking about what? Life. This is salvation, right? This is, we're going to give you something that is going to help you for how long? Forever. Okay. Verse 6. Having gifts... That differ. These are gifts. These are things that God gives. Just like he gave faith, he gives gifts. And he gives a list of these gifts here. Um, Gifts that differ. They're they're diverse. According to what? Grace. Have we seen this concept already in this text? Yes, back in verse 3. For through the grace, back in verse 3. Uh, verse 4, according to each, the measure of faith that God has assigned. He, he is the one giving these things out. So according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Do we think that this sounds like a good idea? Have you ever seen anybody not use their gift? Yes. Have you seen anybody use the wrong gift? Like, I want to use your gift. Like, no. God gave that to them. <laughs> let them use that gift. Right? Has anybody ever seen anybody do that at Stewart? No, I won't go there. Um, every single day, every single day this happens. Gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If you're not opposed to marking in your Bible, I think underlining the word use is a really good word to underline in your Bibles there. Let us use them. If prophecy, or this is predicting, in proportion to our faith, if service... This is the word uh, diakonia, diakonia. Anybody recognize this word? What does it look like? Deacon, yes. Deacon's going to deke, right? So if, if this is your thing, if your gift is service, then what? Then in our serving, right? 
the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts. Now, this is a fun word. It's one of my favorite, favorite words uh, in the New Testament. Parakaleo and parakalesis. When parakalesis sounds like something that Sean would have to tell you that you have after an accident, right? Um, <laughs> you had an accident with grace right there. You get parakalesis. <laughs> That'll preach, brother. <laughs> so who's the parakaleo in the New Testament? The Holy Spirit, right? The parakaleo, the comforter, the encourager, the, the one that comes along and consoles. Um, and that's what this word is, which is really fantastically inception-like because we know from other parts of the New Testament who gives the gifts. Like which member of, this, the, whole, the, which member of the Trinity gives the gifts? The Holy Spirit gives the gifts. The Father decides and the Holy Spirit executes this particular plan. So the Holy Spirit is giving the gift of his own ministry. You're like, like, my head wants to explode with this. That is amazing, right? So you can have the gift of this ministry of encouragement. Uh, do you see the, the words there? Uh, to call near, to invite, to invoke, beseech, call for, comfort, desire, exhort, entreat, pray. Uh, in his exhortation, it's a very similar word here. Uh, imploration. You see that next word? Horation. You go Google that one. It will not have nine million results, I promise you. Uh, solace or comfort, consolation, exhortation, entreaty. This is the idea of somebody who comes along and, and helps and encourages. Um, and then we go to another gift, the one who contributes, the one who gives in generosity. This is in sincerity or singleness. This is not, this is, this is, and I, the idea here is it is not mixed with something else. It is not, I'm giving and I've got nine other hopeful returns that are going to happen because it, no, it's just, I'm, I'm giving. Why are you giving? Well, there's a need. Great. Then that's the reason to give. There, there's a need. We have a, an evidence of a God who gives and we have opportunity to give, so we give. So in generosity... Uh, in his exhortation, the, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads, uh, this interesting word, it literally means to be to stand before. Uh, so it's the person that's standing up before you. Hi, my name's Jim. Um, <clears throat> I, when I was studying this, I thought, I'm going to be reading these words, standing up in front of them. That's a bit awkward. That's okay. So how am I commanded to do this? With zeal! <laughs> And it actually is not, it's not uh, emotion. The, the word here is not as much emotional as it is with speed. Um, and some of you are going, amen. <laughs> Get on with it, right? With dispatch, with eagerness, with earnestness, with busyness, with carefulness, with forwardness, with haste, right? Don't just, don't beat around the bush here. Lead. Um, I watched Braveheart this last week with my kids for the first time. And uh, that scene where William Wallace is talking to Robert the Bruce. He's like, your people, if you would, they will follow you if you would just lead them. And it's just, just do the work, right? And I felt like uh, knowing this text was coming up, I was like, I think this is the, the plead of Paul here is just lead, right? Have some eagerness. Go, go do this thing. And then he ends with the one who does acts of mercy or compassion with what? Cheerfulness. What do you think this word is? Can you see that? Hilarious. 
Yes. Now, this word in first century Greek did not mean rolling on the floor laughing. It eventually morphed into that. This just meant really happy about it. Right? Now, I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint. People who are really happy about things sometimes end up rolling on the floor laughing. So do you see how the word can morph very quickly? This is, not a, this is not like the word martyr, where it meant I give a testimony, and then it came to mean 100 years later you died because of your testimony. Like, well, that's a, it's a pretty big shift in the meaning of the word from I promise to tell the truth to they're putting me in the ground tomorrow. Like that, there's a big gap, and this is not a big gap in the meaning of, of words here. So the hilariousness of giving. So if you do acts of mercy... Now, I do think it's interesting that the, the one who contributes, that's what we typically think about as the giver. That's not where the word hilarious shows up. It's the acts of mercy. So we typically, now there's other New Testament portions that connect giving and hilarity, but Paul also connects it with acts of mercy. So a very similar type of a mindset to be thinking about when we are going through and actually doing the work and using the gifts that we have been called to do. So, are there any repeated words in here? The one? One, yes. One shows up a few times, yes. Which I think is, again, like quadruply ironic that the word one shows up multiple times. Yes. Yes. Thank you for laughing at my joke, Josh. I appreciate that. All right, what other words show up multiple times? Grace. Yes, this is good. What else? The thing I love about this question, um, 95% of the time when I stand up and I ask this question, I do not care what the answer is. Why do I love this question? Somebody tell me. As a teacher, why do I love this question? You have to look at the words. <laughs> like, there is no way to answer this question without actually looking at the words. When I asked this question, every head in the room, whoo, I was like, that is better than an altar call. <laughs> I have more success with that than every head bowed, every eye closed. Because there's a lot of people that just don't do that. So. And it is crazy spooky when people just stare at you. But anyway, that's all the other thing. What other repeated words? <laughs> Members, yes. Is it plural or is it singular? Plural. It's plural every time, isn't it? Yes, thank you. I have that wrong in my notes. I had member in my notes. I'm going to pause. Let me pause right there for just a second. It's always plural, isn't it? Why does it have to be? Yes, thank you, Darla. Why does it always have to be plural? One ain't enough. <laughs> Right? It's not about me. It's not a one-person... That's fantastic. I really like this. When... Uh, yes. When we studied uh, systematic theology and did the doctrine of the church and looked at the different structures of the church and we talked about the offices in the church, that elder was one of the offices in the church. And we looked and we saw that Elder in the New Testament always shows up in the plural form. It is never singular in the New Testament anywhere. I, want, I really want to look this up right now. If member always shows up plural or not. Because you have plural elders, you need plural members, and 
Like that'd be a that'd be a really good second jump off of that theological concept when teaching that idea about eldership. So, all right, I'm coming back to you now, Jessica. What was your answer? Did you forget? If yes, lots of ifs and ends, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Paul has this weird. Uh, I have to keep doing that. Paul has this interesting way of. Uh, stringing together lots and lots and lots of different examples, he doesn't necessarily have to use a verb very often. He'll borrow the verb from the beginning of the sentence and just kind of assume it later on. And we do this constantly when we're making lists. We just use a comma and then a comma and then a comma and then a comma. And the initial verb is meant to kind of carry over all the way through, which is why you get all these ifs and ends because it's substituting for these verbs that really a lot of times aren't there in the text. All right, anything else? There's many of these, aren't there? Many? <laughs> Sorry. She's not here. That's all I'm saying. She's not here to frown at me and say, don't do that. So. Is there a freedom? There is a danger in that. <laughs> um, there is a real danger in that. So that's, that's where I'm going to land on that one. There's always a price to be paid. That's a good summary of Romans. All right, so let's take a look at some observations of the text. So we've talked about God gives us uh, different measures of faith. So do I get to be proud about what God gave me? I better not. He likes explicitly said, don't be proud about that, right? How many bodies do we have? We have one body. We have many members. We have unity and diversity working together in a healthy way. This is what it looks like. And I think it's a very small a shadow of a concept at work inside the Trinity. So there's one God and multiple persons. So we have one body and multiple persons in the church. Um, <clears throat> Amy sent me a note, and she was talking about uh, her commentary was Hughes and how we can think, take these verses and think rightly about ourselves and our status our fellow believers, how we engage and interact and what the actual structure is, and our gifts that God has given us. I think those are three good points to make about this particular passage, thinking rightly about ourselves, our fellow believers, and our gifts. Now, one question I want to ask you about verses 6 through 8. So look at verses 6 through 8. Is that a comprehensive list of all spiritual gifts in the New Testament? Well, you said that pretty definitively and fast. How do we know this? You were given the gift of discernment. Awesome. And I should pay attention, dang it, right? Okay. How do you know this, Mr. Arlott? A very simple answer. Because there are other... Uh, Keep coming, yes. Yes, there are other lists. And there are things listed on those other lists that are not listed in this list. Okay. So, if you have a gift that's not mentioned here, don't feel left out. <laughs> Don't be prideful that yours was so special that it wasn't listed, but that there are other things. I would imagine that the same type of go use it concept would apply to all the other gifts that are listed in the New Testament. So if you, it's like, what's a gift that's not listed here? Administration. administration. So if you have the gift of administration, you can keep it in your pocket because Paul didn't tell you to use it, right? You better not because <laughs> all these people running around doing mercy need to be organized. Right? And they will hurt themselves if they are not because they will wear themselves out. They need somebody to come along and help administer. Right? Good. Okay. Just want to make sure that we understood that. 
They don't, no, they don't at all. And administration can come across like a ball-peen hammer and uh, wreck relationships long-term with people who are really trying just to, I just, I just want to go help people. Great, let's, let's have you do that in the most effective way possible. Um, all right, so let's look at some applications and some personalization. So application number one, uh, thinking matters. Thinking matters, or, or maybe even thinking rightly matters. <clears throat> I think I like that better. Uh, I didn't pick the gift and I didn't pick the degree, so thinking rightly about these things is going to be very helpful. So what do we do with that? Number one, this is not the Dos Equis man. This is the opposite of the Dos Equis man answer. What do I want you to do? I want you to stay sober. Yes, I want you to stay sober. <laughs> I should have had the picture of the Dos Equis man and a big X over his face or something. <laughs> Two, X's. Two X's over his face. Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> Freudian slip there, right, buddy? <laughs> Is it two X's? I, okay. Cool. Oh. I have never picked up on that. That is hilarious. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the things you learn in Sunday school, right? That's fantastic. All right. So stay sober uh, and lovingly let us let each other know when we are not. Lovingly, um, I, I got to keep going back to a conversation I had um, a very long time ago with Doug Skinner about the love is the belt that we wrap all this stuff up in because if we don't have love, our clothes become all over the place and it becomes inappropriate very quickly. So we can, we can do this inappropriately and we can do this appropriately. Uh, number two, I would say different is good. You know, I didn't pick the gift and I didn't pick the degree. So different is good. If God partitioned or measured out differences in both gifts and in uh, volume or severity or significance, or significance is probably the wrong word, in uh, degree of these gifts, that's a good thing. Because all that he does is good, all that he does is right, all that he does is holy. So if different is good, different is good. All right. Uh, so number two, I say praise God for his wisdom. Um, <clears throat> and then think through for just a second about the ever-changing composition of the body of Christ that is physically present on earth. And the gifts that are given at exactly the right time in all of human history to be the right composition of the body of Christ on earth at all times. <sighs> like that is... That is hard. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of beautiful complexity in that that we in no way, shape, or form could ever figure out. Like, I fumble around with my personal gifts just regularly. Right? I don't need to be in charge of anybody else's spiritual gifts or the distribu distribution of those. So praise the Lord for His wisdom in this space. Uh, number three, gifts are for using. I didn't pick the gift and I didn't pick the degree. <clears throat> I'm just told to go use it. So what do you think we ought to do with that? Use our gifts. And I will, I will give you a caution. I'll give you a caution. And the caution is we sometimes fall into a trap of... Sorry. I did wear a, the shirt today, right? So there's a little bit of there. We sometimes fall into the trap of saying, well, I want your gift. 
or I want the degree to which you have been given your gift. That is from the devil trying to create divisiveness in the middle of the good thing that God has given us. Like it is literally a trap. So when you are tempted to look and see at somebody else's gift and you go, like, I really want that gift. No, no. The sovereign king of the universe said, this is what I have apportioned to you. And then the Holy Spirit of God actually gave it to you and is empowering you to go use that. That is pretty amazing. How about we be content and think rightly and soberly about ourselves and our gifts, and this is a better space to live in. Yes, Ms. Darla? Yes. And we look at somebody that has a certain gift and we think, that would be so awesome if yep. I could just do that. Yep. And so in our minds, we create this whole thing about that's such an awesome gift. Right. But <clears throat> speaking of the degrees of gifts, I think sometimes, I think we all have the potential for our gift to be used at a very a larger degree than we're already using it. It's a development thing. Yep. It's a growth thing. It's yep. a spiritual discipline. So just because you have the gift of teaching and you're just teaching three-year-olds doesn't mean that you are just teaching three-year-olds. That's right. It's absolutely right. And you can develop your gift to be something much bigger than... So it's, it's our own selves, I think, that limit the use of our If I had another hour to talk about this topic, I would talk about underdeveloped gifts and overdeveloped gifts. Is that where you were going? Somewhat. Yeah. The the Facebook effect. You know, everyone sees someone else's gift in a positive light. And and literally, literally in the most positive filter. Yes. Right? So having having the gift of prophecy at times really stinks. Yes. Yeah. Because you see things and you understand things that you know, weigh on you and you really don't necessarily want to deal with. Yeah. And, and maybe specifically at that time in your life or whatever like that. And it can really, you know, get to service that, you know, you can wear yourself out. Yep. Absolutely. I detest the gift of teaching sometimes when we are going through these long books like this. Not because they're long, but because I don't get to skip things. It's like, I would love to go skip that chapter. Not verse, chapter. <laughs> like, whole thing. Let's just jump right over that. Like, we didn't have Romans 9. It just goes from 8 to 10. It's just a boom, there you go. It's all right. There's a misnumbering in your Bibles is what that really is. That's just it's the way this works. But when we fall into this trap, division, disunity, we, we don't look very one-like when this happens. So this is... My challenge to you today uh, to do that. And then next week's text, which is Romans 12, 9 through 21, the marks of a true Christian. When we live, all of these, these concepts are very connected. Paul lays them out in a beautiful order. But when we uh, are present ourselves as a living sacrifice, and when we are utilizing our gifts as we should, then we look like real Christians. Shocker, 
right? Absolute shocker. Amazing stuff. So I'm very excited about next week's text. Uh, I'm also going to spend probably about five minutes next week rolling back something that I taught you about seven weeks ago because I messed it up. I need to fix it. And I am going back and listening to the last 10 podcasts and editing some stuff out and removing a couple things from our teacher notes because I messed up and next week you will hear my mea culpa. Not three times, we're not Roman Catholics, but my mea culpa one time. So, all right, some of you got that, that's okay. Uh, You have a weekly update that is, and I apologize, Ms. Darla, last week's weekly update, and it broke my ever-loving heart to scratch out the number three and write in the number 10 on the date at the top of that because I completely just flat out forgot to do one this week. Got here this morning going through all my printing and realized I had not done one. So these are last week's prayer requests, but please, 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 at your tables today, take a moment and pray specifically for Stephen and Candace Archer as uh, they, in the next few hours, are going to be going through, in the next few days, going to be going through uh, Irma. So honestly, let's take a minute and let's pray for these folks, because this is about to get, like literally right now, there are folks getting battered with this stuff. Uh, And I am, I love the fact that we're going to take some time in the service this morning and pray, because that's what we do. So pray at your tables, and when you're finished, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. (laughs) 